Welcome to the Real Life Weight Loss Podcast, where we cut through the confusion and get down to the truth about what really works for real people when it comes to losing weight, having incredible health, and a body that you love. We believe that losing weight is really about gaining life, doing things you never thought you could, having renewed confidence, and enjoying your body more than ever. I'm your host, Corey Little. Now let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to the Real Life Weight Loss Podcast. This is episode number 219 and today we're going to talk about four foods that we think, you might think, are healthy, but maybe they really aren't. Maybe they're really not helping us. But first I want to say this. I'm recording this episode in kind of early, maybe the first week or so of December. And so most of us, most people are full-blown into the holiday swing, right? You know, we had, if you're in the United States, we had Thanksgiving, and then we've either got Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever coming up, and there's so many, there's parties and festivities and food everywhere. And I just want to say before I get into this episode, please enjoy yourself. (laughs) Now is not the time to beat yourself up. Now is not the time to come down on yourself about not achieving uh, not achieving your weight loss goals, about, oh, I need to lose weight, all these. No, no, no. Now is not the time for that. The time is coming for you to pursue your weight loss goals. And I'm not saying just totally let loose and eat until you're miserable every day. I'm not saying that either. So just don't beat yourself up. Enjoy yourself. And if you want some more specific guidance about this, episode number 172 It's called Three Tips That Minimize Holiday Weight Gain, but it's not only about minimizing holiday weight gain. What I discuss in that episode is also about helping you to more fully enjoy the foods that you eat over the holidays. And again, like I mentioned earlier, not beating yourself up. So go check that out, episode 172, Three Tips That Minimize Holiday Weight Gain and Help You Really Enjoy Food So Much More. But today, let's get into what we're talking about. Four foods that we think are good, quote unquote good, or good for us, or we think will help us, help us lose weight, help us make progress, and maybe they don't. Maybe the best description is that these are foods that we fool ourselves with. Like we convince ourselves they're good and will help us lose weight, but we need to step back and go, wait a minute, is that really the case? Let's dig in here and find out. And we will also in this episode get into the difference between what I call healthy and lean, healthy eating versus lean eating. In other words, like some foods that are generally considered healthy, but might not help with weight loss versus foods that are much more likely to naturally lead to weight loss. A bunch of awesome, awesome stuff today. But first, two really, really, two really quick, but really important reminders. Number one, mark your calendar for January 12th, January 12th of 2023. That's a Thursday. Mark it. This will be your next chance to become part of my Inner Circle Coaching Group and put my step-by-step live life, lose fat system to use in your life. If you like this podcast, if you love this podcast, maybe you do, and you're sick of the typical like, oh, rah, rah, weight loss attempts that everyone does in the new year, and they're pretty much always centering around some strict diet or working out until you're so sore that it hurts to sit on the toilet. You know what I'm talking about. If you've ever started a new workout, you've probably been there. It's like, oh, I need to go to the bathroom, but I dread this. Or, oh, I forgot and left something upstairs, but I don't want to go up the stairs because my legs are so sore and it hurts so bad. So like, if that's been your previous weight loss attempts and you're ready for something different and you're ready to, to escape that terrible, vicious, miserable diet cycle, then I highly recommend you mark down January 12th. And 
there will be more information coming about that in future episodes. So if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. You don't want to miss any future episodes. January 12th, it's a Thursday. There'll be much more information. I'll be doing some sort of live event and I'll answer any and all of your questions about my program and just about anything in general. You may be like, hey, Corey, I don't even care about your program, but I have some questions about keto or something else. That's fine. I'll, I'll answer those questions for you as well. So enjoy the holidays. Like I said, don't beat yourself up. Try to find a, you know, a nice little middle ground in the time being and mark January 12th on your calendar. Okay, that's the first thing I wanted to remind you of. The second thing I want to remind you of, in case you've missed it, this is something you can do in the meantime. If you'll just rate and review the podcast, then you'll be entered to win one of five ridiculously awesome prizes. Things from like a goodie bag of Rise Nutrition products to a free one-on-one coaching call with me, with yours truly, or possibly even a free membership to the Inner Circle Coaching Program, full access to my new, like freshly updated Live Life Lose Fat program. Like I said, all you need to do is just rate and review the podcast, or if you've already done that, then you can share an episode on social media. And then once you've done this, send an email to support at corylittlecoaching.com. That email address will be in the show notes. You can find it there. Just send an email to let us know that you did that so we can enter you into this drawing for one of these incredible prizes. Okay, so just pause this episode, go do that. And now you're back. Okay, good. Let's go. Let's rock. So let's get to these tricky foods that might be fooling us, might be fooling you. Foods that we think are healthy, but actually could be working against us. Food number one. Here we go. Dark chocolate. Now, some of you may be thinking, wait a minute, what are you talking about? I know dark chocolate is very healthy for me. I read a big article about it. Dark chocolate is good. And then there may be others of you who are going, who are we fooling? We know chocolate's not good for us. And both of you are kind of right. So I'll explain, okay? Here's the thing. If your so-called dark chocolate doesn't have a number or a percentage associated with it, then who knows how dark it really is. And that's that's part of the problem, okay? Let me explain. Chocolate comes from what's called the cacao bean. I may be mispronouncing that, but I'm pretty sure it's right. The cacao bean is where we get our word cocoa from. And this bean is naturally high in fat, and high in fiber. It's basically like a big bundle of fat and fiber. But guess what? It contains basically zero sugar. <laughs> so the very thing we make chocolate from contains no sugar. It's fat and fiber. If you taste true, pure, 100% chocolate, like 100% cacao or cocoa, it is incredibly bitter. It's not sweet at all because it doesn't naturally contain enough sugar to give any sort of a sweet taste. This is why we have to add so much sugar to transform cacao into chocolate. Now, by law, in the United States, a milk chocolate bar needs to contain a certain percentage of cocoa, the the actual cacao bean that's been dried and then ground up. And that percentage is 10. It has to contain a minimum of 10% cocoa in order to be called a milk chocolate bar. Now, in case you don't know, (laughs) that's an incredibly, incredibly low amount. That means that the milk chocolate bar that you might be eating could be up to 90% something else. Most chocolate that you would eat is likely a little bit more cocoa than that, a little bit more cacao. It's about 35 to 40%. And then the rest of it is usually 25% milk powder or milk fat, and then about 60% sugar. So even there, even if we take the higher percentage of cacao, the 35 to 40%, the rest of it is just milk fat 
and then sugar. And we can see 60% sugar, still over half of that, that chocolate bar or that chocolate candy is sugar. Yeah, that, that chocolate that we're eating, that cho- okay, we call it chocolate. <laughs> we think of cocoa, but it's again, it's over half sugar. So maybe instead of saying, ooh, like, oh, I love chocolate, we should s- just start saying like, ooh, I love sugar. <laughs> because, and you may be like, yeah, Corey, I know I love sugar. That's part of the problem, right? I do, I get it. I like sugar too, okay? I'm not a weirdo. I get it. I love sugar. But here's the thing. I guarantee if we take the sugar out, suddenly we won't love chocolate, <laughs> They have to come, the cocoa and sugar have to come as a package deal. But most of us really kind of know this, right? And that's why we start opting for dark chocolate. We're like, I know, I know this other is so sweet and it's, it, it can't be good for me. So I'll, I'll reach for the dark chocolate, quote unquote, dark chocolate. The problem is a lot of dark chocolate isn't really that dark at all. It may contain more cacao, more of the cocoa, maybe 60 or 65% but it still contains a ton of added sugar and fat. But the packaging, huh, the packaging doesn't help us. And you'll soon learn this is a theme with a lot of these foods I'm going to talk about today. So the Lint chocolate, L-I-N-D-T, Lint, is about 60%. The 60% chocolate bar says on the package, extra dark. So of course, if you're shopping and you see this, chocolate bar and it says extra dark, you're going to think, wow, that's fantastic. It has six and you won't even worry about the percentage. Oh, I don't care about 60. It, it's telling me it's extra dark. So it must be dark. It must be good for me. Then we also have Ghirardelli's, and again, I may be saying that name wrong, but hopefully you know what I'm talking about. Ghirardelli's 60% chocolate. And on the label for it, again, just like the Lint, both of these are 60% cacao. It says intense dark on the package. So again, we're like, oh God, this is truly, it's got to be truly dark chocolate. But let's dig a little deeper into these. The top four ingredients are unsweetened chocolate. Okay, that's good. Cane sugar, cocoa butter, milk fat. It contains nine grams of added sugar. That's pure cane sugar. Okay, nine grams per serving, which is just one quarter of the bar. Okay, so the serving is just one quarter of this entire chocolate bar. And that has nine grams of added sugar, just pure like table sugar added to it. So if you just ate half of the bar, you'd get 18 grams of sugar. That's almost five teaspoons of straight white table sugar in your extra dark or intense dark chocolate bar. So think about that. Just imagine sitting down, having like maybe one teaspoon of cacao beans, (laughs) of dried up crushed cacao beans, about one teaspoon, and then five teaspoons of pure sugar, and then thinking, mmm, that was so good for me. So we buy this extra dark chocolate or intense dark chocolate because it's what the label tells us, right? And it kind of tricks us. And in reality, speaking from a nutritional standpoint, it's like having one teaspoon of cacao and five teaspoons of pure sugar. And we think that's good for us. And it's, not necessarily your fault. The food packaging, the label is deceiving us. But this is exactly what we do when we eat so-called dark chocolate. Intense, extra dark, whatever, like the label says. So the question we maybe should be asking is, what's the cutoff? Like what number, what percentage should we look for on our chocolate? If we really want to have a chocolate that is maybe better for us than a typical chocolate, or even these, these darker chocolates that are advertised by these companies. I typically recommend 85%. It contains more actual cacao than sugar. 
There's only four grams of added sugar, and it has five grams of fiber, which is pretty crazy, right? It's pretty crazy to think that chocolate contains fiber. Now, of course, you can go darker, 90% or even 95 or 100%, but you're going to get a super bitter flavor from that. To me, 85% is just kind of a, a great happy medium. It still has a little sweetness, but also plenty of good nutritional content as well. And it will be a little bitter. Don't get me wrong. It's not going to taste anything like milk chocolate. It's definitely an acquired taste. And just to be clear, let me <laughs> before some of you think, this guy doesn't get it. This is not what I eat when I want a delicious dessert. It's not like, ooh, I'm, I don't want any of the ice cream. Just give me that 85% dark chocolate. No, no, no. This is just what I would have when I want a little something that's sort of sort of kind of sweet, but I don't want to go for like a full-blown dessert. Like I don't want to go, you know, I don't want to have, as some people would call it, a cheat meal. I don't like that term. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know that. But this is something, say, throughout the week. If I'm, you know, want just a little, a little bit of sweetness, but I don't want to go crazy and I don't want to have like the, what happens with me is like a dessert hangover where I have brain fog and then I want to take a nap. If I don't want that then I might have a little bit of this 85% dark chocolate. So I hope that helps shed some light on the differences of between all different kinds of chocolate, what's dark, what's not, extra dark, intense dark, and the importance of looking for percentage on the package. That's our first food that sometimes fools us. The second food is turkey products. Ground turkey, turkey sausage, turkey this, turkey that. See, most people instantly think that just because something's made from turkey that it's automatically nutritionally better than beef or pork. This can be true, but it's not necessarily true. The key here, just like with chocolate, is to look for numbers, to look at the numbers, specifically the percentages. For example, Butterball 85-15 ground turkey. That means it's 85% lean and it's 15% fat. That is going to be slightly leaner and contain a little less fat than typical ground beef. Typical ground beef is usually about 80% lean and 20% fat, but it's only a 5% difference. It's not a big difference. So technically, you could get 85% lean ground beef or 85% lean ground turkey, and you could feel good about either of those choices. But if it were me, I might cruise over past you and grab the 92% or 96% lean beef. And then you think, oh man, that poor guy, he doesn't know, he doesn't know that turkey's better for him than beef, <laughs> right? Like, oh, he's going over to the beef and I'm, I'm over here getting the ground turkey because that's better for me. But guys, gals, it's all about the percentages. It's all about looking at the numbers on the packages. If I get the 92 or 96% lean beef and you just pick up the standard ground turkey, which is 85% lean, again, you may be thinking, oh, wow, this is, I'm doing so much better because I'm getting turkey. But my beef is significantly leaner and contains significantly less fat than your turkey. So just to be clear, most turkey products, sure, yes, they are slightly better than their beef or pork counterparts. But if you really want to maximize the nutritional quality of your ground meat or sausage or whatever it is that you're eating, then look for numbers. Go for 92% lean or leaner. And as long as you do this, you can choose whatever meat you want, turkey, beef, or pork. Next up, the third food sometimes fools us. And this is not exactly a food as much as what we use this food for. Peanut butter. There is no doubt that there are some of you that have heard or read or been told that peanut butter is a good source of protein. And so you might use peanut butter to get in protein. 
I got to be honest, <laughs> this one kind of drives me nuts. <laughs> see, see what I did there? <laughs> drives me nuts, peanut butter. Oh my goodness, I'm hilarious. I'll be here all week long. Okay, <laughs> so lame jokes aside, you might have heard someone say, like I previously mentioned, that you know peanuts or peanut butter is a great source of protein. You might have even heard a nutritionist or dietitian say this. Again, it drives me crazy, and I couldn't disagree more, and I'll explain why, okay? Hang with me. Do peanuts and peanut butter contain some protein? Yes. Do they contain enough to be considered a good source of protein? Not at all. Nutritionally speaking, peanut butter is 75 to 80% fat. It's just, it's just what peanuts are. Peanuts and peanut butter are 75 to 80% fat and only about 12 to 15% protein. So, you tell me what it's a good source of. The answer is pretty obvious, right? Peanut butter is a good source of fat. I mean, even if someone just wanted to squeak by with the absolute bare minimum amount of protein that they need in a day, which I would not recommend if you want to be healthy and fit and, and pursue weight loss, but even if someone was like, hey, I just... I just want to get the bare minimum amount of protein in a day. I just want to squeak by, and that'll be enough for me. And let's say this person were eating three meals per day, and they were banking on peanut butter as being one of their primary sources of protein. They'd have to eat about five tablespoons to get the 20-ish grams of protein that they needed at one meal to hit their in order to hit their overall daily total. But this also means they would be getting a whopping 40 grams of fat. That is more fat from your so-called good protein source. That is more fat and less protein than you get from a McDonald's double cheeseburger and a small fry. Yes, you heard that correct. If you eat five tablespoons of peanut butter, you'll get around 20, 20-ish grams of protein and 40 grams of fat. And nutritionally speaking, that is more fat and less protein than you get from a McDonald's double cheeseburger and small fry. But supposed nutrition experts keep running around telling people that peanut butter is a good source of protein. And we wonder why people are so confused about eating right and struggle to lose weight. I could go on and on and on about this because, again, it drives me nuts. (laughs) But I'll wrap up my peanut butter rant with this. Peanut butter is not necessarily bad or evil. Not at all. I I have peanut butter on a regular basis. I like it. But in my humble opinion, it should not be considered a good source of protein. Instead, it should be considered a good source of fat. And believe it or not, we do need good sources of healthier fat. We need those in our diet. Hopefully that brings a little bit of clarity to what I believe is a massive nutrition misconception. Okay, that's our third food. Next up, the fourth food And it's really not a food at all. This is uh, more of a systemic problem with food and food packaging and the grocery store. And this is labels. The big thing that fools us sometimes are just labels and falling for labels. There's something that we need to remember. The purpose of food labels is not only to inform you, but it's also to sell you, to get you to buy the product. Food manufacturers want to do everything possible with their label to get you to buy their product. 30 or 40 years ago, we weren't nearly as health conscious as we are now, so there wasn't nearly as many health claims on food packaging. Now, in 2022, almost 2023, about to be 2023, If there's anything that the consumer 
that's you, that's me, the person buying the food, if there's anything that we might view as good, then you better believe the manufacturer is going to put it on the label. Gluten-free, non-GMO, vegan, made with whole grains, natural, all natural, made with real fruit, which always... (laughs) always makes me it's like wait we have to brag that this is made with real fruit like it says strawberry on it or it says apple or whatever and we're bragging that it's made with real fruit dear dear lord like what kind of (laughs) what kind of world are we living in when i didn't even know that fake fruits existed you know so anyways sorry that's a side note made with real fruit let's keep going the list is longer 100 percent of your vitamin c fat free no high fructose corn syrup Heart healthy, excellent source of calcium, and excellent source of vitamin A. And the list goes on and on and on. I'll never forget walking through a grocery store one day, seeing a bag of candy, and the label proudly said, this is a candy, okay, this is candy. And the label proudly said, gluten-free, fat-free, no high-fructose corn syrup. (laughs) And I was like, wow, some poor soul who is trying to be health conscious, maybe even trying to lose weight, is going to walk by this bag, glance over, read those things and pick it up and think, oh, wow, this candy is healthy. And then they're going to put it in their cart and take it home and eat it. Now, I like to <laughs> I like to call these types of foods, not just the candy, but any of these foods that have labels that are just plastered with all of these things, I like to call these insecure foods. The more a food has to tell you how good it is, probably the less likely that it's actually good. <laughs> the grocery store is full of all these snazzy food packages with beautiful graphic design and all of these supposed health claims from gluten-free to made with real fruit to natural. And then you've got broccoli and sweet potatoes just quietly chilling over in the produce section. No fancy label, no screaming at you with their, you know, with their claims about how good they are. Just sitting there knowing There's some of the healthiest stuff that you can eat. (laughs) Not insecure at all. The take-home point here with food labels is that pretty much nothing they boldly claim can guarantee they'll help you with your weight loss goals. Sure, it might, and that's a big might, it might be healthier, but it doesn't mean that it's free game. Those organic, non-GMO, all-natural granola bars that contain no no high-fructose corn syrup... They're probably still loaded with added sugar, and they're just a big clump of carbs, fat, and sugar in general, like nutritionally speaking. In other words, they're a dressed-up dessert masquerading as a health food. It may be slightly healthier, or maybe a slightly healthier option than eating some other highly processed food that doesn't have those label claims, but it's not some magical weight loss food. But that's the problem is when we see those things, oh, oh, organic, oh, non-GMO, Oh, all natural, and it contains no high fructose corn syrup. This has got to help me move in the right direction. Eh, wrong answer. <laughs> it's, the in, it's the secure foods. It's not the insecure foods. It's the other stuff that will help us. Gang, look, there's a massive difference between healthy and lean. I've given entire presentations on this, and people are always pretty fascinated by this concept, and, they're, and they're really, uh, it really kind of takes them aback at first. But there's a big difference between healthy and lean. This deserves its own episode, but I'll just go into it briefly here. Someone can be healthy and eat an overall healthier diet and also be overweight and certainly not lose weight. 
This person might eat foods like those fancy, healthy, quote-unquote healthy (laughs) granola bars that I just mentioned. And then on the flip side, you could have someone who can be lean and appear fit, but they can also be very unhealthy on the inside. What I strive to teach people, what I strive for in my personal life, and what I strive to teach people is a blend of the two, to be healthy and lean. And the foods that we choose to consistently eat are a big determinant in this healthy versus lean world. Often food labels will try to make you think the food is healthy or healthier than an alternative, but healthy doesn't always equal weight loss. Healthy doesn't always equal a lean body. Again, I could go on and on and on with this. It deserves its own episode. I'll probably do that at some point in the future. But right now, I want to explain the common thread amongst these four food misconceptions. Whether people realize it or not, there is an underlying central theme. And it is, for a lot of people, a haphazard attempt at losing weight. If you want to try to eat a little healthier and just make some small changes here and there, that's fine. That's great. And I I applaud you. Go for it. Go for the dark chocolate. Get turkey instead of beef. Choose foods with the most health claims on the label. Great. But don't expect this change or these changes to help change your body. It might, but it probably won't. If you really want to lose weight, Changes like these are typically just not effective. It's like someone who isn't necessarily a good cook just trying to throw a recipe together, a little of this, a little of that, and then hoping it turns out okay and tastes good. There is a recipe, there's a process for losing weight, and haphazardly making a few different food choices here and there isn't really part of the recipe. Like I said, it just normally doesn't work out. Maybe it can help you be a little healthier, but it can't really help you dramatically change your body or lose a lot of weight. If you're interested in the specific recipe, the specific step-by-step process that we use inside my coaching group, then mark January 12th on your calendar, like I mentioned earlier. And for goodness sakes, unless you are crazy and you just don't like free stuff, (laughs) unless that's you, then for goodness sakes, rate and review the podcast for a chance to get my Live Life Lose Fat program totally free, not to mention a membership to the private coaching group 100% free and other all kinds of other goodies, Rise Nutrition products and all kinds of things like that. You can rate and review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify and then just shoot an email to support at corylittlecoaching.com. It's down in the show notes to let us know you did it and we will enter you into that drawing. And that's it, gang. I hope that you'll choose to put some of the things that I suggested in this episode into play. I hope you'll start looking at food labels a little differently. I hope you'll start looking at the percentages for chocolate and the percentages for ground meats, whether it's turkey or beef or pork or whatever. And I hope that as you wrap up this year, I hope you'll choose to make the new year different. I hope I'll have a chance to be part of that. And I hope that you know (laughs) that there's so much more to you than a number. So don't let the scales get all up in your head. Don't let them dictate your emotions or your mood or dominate your headspace because there's so much more to you than that. And I also hope that You know that losing weight is pretty awesome. It is, but the scales don't define you. But losing weight's great, and I love helping people do that. But losing weight is really all about gaining life and living the life that you've always wanted. And you may may be at a point in your life where you think, oh, I just don't know if I can do it. I've tried and failed so many times. It's okay. It's okay. I got your back. You keep coming back. I'll keep working on you. You can borrow my belief. I believe in you even if you don't believe in yourself. It's all right. That's what I'm here for, okay? (laughs) So keep coming back. That's it, my friends. I hope this has been helpful. Take care. God bless. Bye-bye.